This week on The Perceptive Photographer, we are talking about distilling information, procrastination, mistakes people made, avoiding habits, all sorts of things are on the agenda for today because it is a listener question week here on The Perceptive Photographer. I am your host, Daniel Gregory, and this is episode 457 of The Perceptive Photographer podcast. I hope you are having a wonderful week. And to the people who've been sending in some questions, thank you for sending in the questions and really makes it sort of fun for the podcast to be able to sort of talk about topics that are of interest and come up for you all that listen to the podcast. So I really do appreciate that. Really do appreciate if you're a subscriber of the podcast. So don't forget to click on that subscribe button. However you find the podcast, stay up to date with the latest episodes. And remember those come out every Monday. And so you can always know that if it's a Monday, there's going to be a Perceptive Photographer podcast. Let's jump in and talk about some of the questions that have been sent in over the past couple of months that I thought would be interesting for today's podcast. The first question is, what is the easiest mistake that photographers make when they're critiquing work? And I thought that was a really interesting question because it's the easiest mistake, not the most damaging, the most detrimental, whatever other adjective you want to put in there, but the easiest one to make. And interestingly, I think the easiest is in some cases the most damaging, the least effective in terms of the feedback as well. I think the big mistake is that we assume that it is our photograph. As photographers, we're always thinking about how did somebody make the photograph? What settings did they use? What lens did they use? We think about all these sort of elements that make up how the photograph was crafted. And when we then critique the photograph, we make decisions based on what we think should have been done at the time. Rather than looking at the image and experiencing the image through the eyes and lens of another photographer. And we can still look at that photograph and find things that we think don't speak to the inherent strength, beauty, craft of the photograph. But oftentimes what I hear people say is, if I were making that photograph, or if that's my photograph, or if I were out doing that, it's eye-centric rather than photo-centric. And even beyond the you of the other photographer, what we're talking about is the nuts and bolts of that photograph. We're not talking about what I would have done in the field. I wasn't there. I'm making these weird random assumptions that I can figure out exactly what needs to happen in that photograph without understanding any of the context and how that photograph was created. And so when we look at the photograph and just the contents of the photograph and talk about purpose, nature, voice, intention of that photograph, voice of that photograph, we end up in a much more interesting space than relying back on what I know. And this sort of falls back into something we've talked about number, a number of times in the podcast over the last several months. We know what we know. When we look at that photograph, I know what I would have done. I know what I think that photograph should be. But the interesting learning opportunity comes in where we discover new things, the things we don't know, the things we don't know we don't know. We get into a realm where we're looking with a broader perspective, a broader voice, a broader sensibility of looking at the photograph, looking at the art, trying to assess in a more meaningful way what is working and not working for that photograph, not as if it were my own again, but as an artifact unto itself. So I think the easiest mistake to make is the one where you think it's your photograph and you're editing and correcting your photograph rather than thinking about the experience of somebody else. Really great question. It's really an interesting thing to sort of ponder as you think about your own process when you look at the photographs of somebody else, how do you approach? What's the first thing you sort of think about? Do you think about the photograph and their experience and why they might have taken it? Or do you think about it from your own sort of center of self and you as sort of the center of the universe and the photographic sphere you operate in? It's a really interesting sort of thing to think about. I find myself sometimes falling back into that trap and I really have to consciously pull myself out of that 
when I'm looking at work or thinking about critiquing work. All right, the second question, which I think was also a really interesting question and actually had me think a lot about what I'm dealing with on any given day in my whole life, not just my creative life, but how do you deal with procrastination? And procrastination is a really interesting thing because it is one of the things that it's easy for us to identify as a reason why we're not doing the things we want to be doing with our photography. We go to sit down to edit in Lightroom and we get distracted by email or we want to go out and take photographs, but we end up realizing we haven't done something in the yard that we need to take care of. So we always find some reason to not sort of work on the photography or work on the photography that we think we're supposed to be working on. Maybe we sit down to edit photographs, but we end up cleaning up the Lightroom catalog, whatever it is. doesn't really matter. We just end up not working on the thing we think we're supposed to be working on. And I think one of the things that's really important is to look at and how I think we deal with procrastination is want to look at what are you doing as a form of procrastination and assessing, is that actually more important? Because if we're spending time on it, there is some level of importance there. Now, yes, there is a certain level of avoidance that sometimes we don't want to work on something that we don't want to work on and we avoid doing it by doing other things. But I also think there's times where there are things that need to be done in order for us to feel like we're engaged and committed with our creative practice. One of those things might be cleaning up and tidying up your space. We sit down, we're all excited. I'm going to work on, I'm going to edit these photographs, or I'm going to finally clean up the Lightroom catalog, or I'm going to print these photographs. And we sit down and our desk is just sort of cluttered. Maybe it's got mail that's piled up on it, or we were working on another project, or we just sort of let it go. We then procrastinate by cleaning up the desk. And it takes longer than we expected. Then all of a sudden we look at our watch and are at the clock on the wall and all of a sudden enough time's expired by that we now have to go to dinner. We have to go pick up the kids. We have to do whatever is next on the to-do list for the day. But I think one of the things that's important is recognizing that sometimes procrastination is there to help us understand what actually matters to us. And maybe in your creative process, a clean desk is important, that you can work through a cluttered desk, you can sit down and work, but it's not the same sort of creative energy, the creative spirit around you that you need to be successful. And so one of the ways to deal with procrastination is to really identify what is it that you're doing in the moments where you feel like you're procrastinating. And then what is the value of that? And what is the importance of that procrastination? Because maybe what you feel like is procrastination is actually you getting prepared to be as efficient and effective as possible in your creative practice. You just didn't realize that you needed to be more organized than you expected in your creativity because maybe you're not organized in other parts of your life. Or maybe you realize that there are times where there are other things in life that need to sort of be dealt with before you deal with your photography. A lot of us are given the opportunity to sort of have our photography as something we're able to engage with in a way that works for us. It's not something we're having to do every day eight hours a day, six days a week, or whatever we're doing. We're able to have it be truly something that's recharging our, our batteries and our essence. And we sometimes have guilt. I think sometimes procrastination leads to us feeling maybe a little guilty about the way we're spending our time. But again, going back and really looking at why, not just why are we procrastinating, but what are you procrastinating with? And what is important about that? Because I've learned for myself that part of my procrastination of sometimes not doing what I think I need to be doing in my photo studio is me actually getting the photo studio in a state of being as a studio object so that I feel like the space is able to help me be creative, that I'm able to sit down at my desk and it's not covered with a bunch of paperwork for other work that I'm doing, whether it's class lecture, preparing for a webinar, but I'm able to just sit down and focus on the emptiness of my space to really isolate and target my photography. 
It's taken me a long time to learn that the procrastination sometimes isn't actually procrastination. It's useful work trying to get me somewhere that I need to go. All right, the next question I got asked, which I thought was sort of an interesting question, which was how many photos a year do you need to make to create a good one? And sort of an interesting one because I think sometimes you go out on a day and you come back with a lot of good ones. And sometimes you go out for months and come back with nothing really that good or significant or a meaningful value. And so it really started got me thinking about how many photos would I need for it to be a good year? And I got to thinking about one of the exercises John Paul Caponegro gave me a number of years ago. And he puts this up on his website every year, but it's to go through at the end of the year. And what are your 12 best photos from the year before? Put that together as a collection and not a cohesive portfolio of within a body of work. These are the 12 best, but what are your 12 best photos from the past year? And one of the things I've sort of taken from that is it allows for the space for there to be that month where you got everything awesome and months where you didn't. But also in a look back that sort of if we got a great photograph a month, if we were shooting every month and we had a great photograph, a truly great photograph for us every month, had 12 at the end of the year, that'd be a pretty good year. And that doesn't mean it's a successful year. If you've got a project you're working on or a book you're working on, you need 50 images. Of course, you're going to need 50 in that year. But as a general sort of rule of thumb, I don't know how many photos you need to make to get a great one. I've walked into spaces and made a great photograph and made two clicks of a camera And there's other times I've made a trip and made thousands of clicks and then gotten what I would consider to be really nothing of a great photograph. It all sort of depends, again, on my own creative space, my own intention, my own understanding of the work I'm doing, a little bit of luck's involved in terms of making sure I get the light right, the moment right, whatever that is. And so I don't think it's a matter of recognizing that how many photographs do I need to make to get great at it, all of Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours, 10,000 photos sort of things. But you are going to improve. We're always going to get better. We're always going to get smarter with every photograph we take. We're going to get more insights into what makes a photograph work for us and not work for us. So I do think there's a volume game there in in some ways to help us become better at our photography. But I think the goal should be more on not how many do I need to take, but really what defines for me a good photograph? What defines for me a great photograph in my own shooting, in my own photography, in my own process? And then rather than sort of identify what needs to happen to make a great photograph. Really look at it as more a celebration of how far I've come year over year by going back and looking what at back at what were the good photographs, the great photographs from the prior year, and recognizing that the great photographs from last year, that I may even have a better photograph from five years ago, but I've also improved a lot from five years ago. A lot of those elements come into play. So I don't think it's necessarily a number game as much as it is an understanding of our work game and what actually defines and makes that work sort of interesting for us. All right, the Fourth question I got was, do I have any annoying habits in my work that I would like to get rid of? <laughs> and I'm laughing because, yes, I have a lot of annoying habits in my work that I'd like to get rid of. But I think one of the biggest ones for me is I've really spent a lot of time trying to figure out why certain things don't get finished, whether it be a portfolio, a part of procrastination, cleaning up the studio, what actually happens that prevents me from getting done. And I think one of my most annoying habits is that when I feel like I'm under an artificial pressure constraint, I rush through things. And to rush them, I'll cut some corners. So I will come into the studio after a photo shoot, and rather than put away my camera gear, I'll just sort of drop it by the door. Which then means every time I walk into the studio, I gotta step through these bags that have my camera equipment in it, that's not been cleaned, the batteries haven't been recharged, all the work that would normally be done isn't done, which then adds to my to-do list. It adds further into my frustration of things that need to happen. Sometimes I'll 
rush through, I'll unpackage something that comes into the studio and rather than break down the cardboard, put it in my little recycle area. I just sort of leave the box sitting there because I'm in a hurry. I want to take the thing out and get it charged or maybe I've got to go into the town for something. And the UPS guy was pulling in right as I got in the driveway. I don't finish that piece right away. And in that rush effort, I find myself sometimes leaving things behind that then require me to pick up that work later. And it would be a lot more, a lot less annoying if I didn't have to do that. And one of the things I recognized, the reason I thought this was sort of interesting was the tie back to the procrastination, that one of the things that I'm procrastinating is finishing the work that I didn't do earlier. So if I had just finished it, and oftentimes we're talking like an extra 30 seconds, two, three minutes of work would have finished that project off. But you compile five or six of those and all of a sudden I have an hour's worth of cleanup work to do. That sometimes what was in my procrastination bucket was actually my not finishing bucket from being in a hurry or seemingly thinking I needed to be in a hurry. So by just slowing down a little bit has really helped me sort of avoid that piece. But it is a habit because I do it over and over again. And it is very annoying for me. So anyway, I don't know if you have the same piece, but that was just sort of a question that I thought was interesting and thought I would share that little piece. The last question I got asked was, what is the one thing you would do to improve your photography if you could only do one thing? And I thought that was a really sort of interesting question because it pins you down into one. And I'm not usually a fan of being pinned down that tight into one thing or one aspect of something. But what is that one thing we could do to improve? And I really, really struggled with this because I really wanted to do two. And one of them was to really sit down and do a lot of work on your own voice, your own sort of understanding of your work, the power of your work, and what matters to you in your photography. And spend more time sort of between the ears thinking about your photography. And I was prepared to actually sort of talk about that as the concept, because I do think that is really, really critical. But this piece sort of kept nagging at me in the back of my head that I ultimately think I, I decided on what I would do to answer this question. And I think if I was going to give advice to one thing to do to really improve the photography would be to go out and consume as much photography with intention as possible. And so not just to go out and just randomly look at some photographs on Instagram or social media or Google search photographs, but to think really about what type of photography are you interested in? What kind of photography and photographers are you interested in? And then to actively seek out photographers who are doing work or have done work historically who are dead. Maybe they're still alive. Maybe they're new and emerging. You find them on Aperture or somewhere. You find some photographer you're interested in. But to deep dive about the work that influences us, the work that inspires us, the work that motivates us to continue to move forward. And the reason I use the word with intention is I think it's really important to not just sort of flip through and look at the photographs, but to really define and articulate and speak out loud in writing to other people about that photographer, about that work. What is it about that work that is meaningful? What is it about that's interesting to you? How does composition work? How does form work? How do all the elements of photography come into play with that? Almost as if you're writing a school book report and you have to fill 20 pages. So you can't just do blah, 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 blah for 25, 20 pages. You've got to actually put some meat and potatoes or some tofu and bok choy or whatever you're going to eat for your, your vegetable and protein of choice. Whatever you're doing in there though without work is that we dive in 
and get a real strong understanding of the type of work that somebody is creating. And then from that, we're hopefully then expanding our own awareness of our own work, the influences that inspire us. How does that happen? How do we talk about that? How do we describe that? And then how would that then translate that back into my own work? Well, oftentimes when we look at other people's photographs, we find it easier to talk about their photographs. We see things in their work that are interesting to us that we would like to have in some form or fashion in our own work, either again through imitation, inspiration. Maybe it's on a pivot. Maybe there's a fashion photographer you love, but you're a landscape photographer, but there's something about the way they use light or color or gesture that you find really interesting. You'd like to somehow incorporate into your own work, but by being able to articulate that, by being able to express that, again, in the work of somebody else, you might find it easier to express in your own work. So it really becomes sort of a stepping stone to helping you identify your own voice in your own experience and expression you want in your work by, by being able to successfully talk about somebody else. And so I think that's one of the interesting aspects is really looking at what influences you, not just visually and not just excites you about photography, but then how do you again be able to develop better communication and better ways of speaking to get the kind of work you're interested in. Thank you so much for joining me this week in the podcast. Hope you have a wonderful week. I really do appreciate you listening. I hope you're having a wonderful December or January or February, whatever month you happen to be listening to this in, but it was recorded and released in December of 2023. Hope you're having a wonderful month. Again, I'm Daniel Gregory and you're listening to the Perceptive Photographer Podcast and I will see you next Monday.